Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time. Get right into this week's proceedings. 2022 college football season is over, mm. but football never stops here on the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes. No slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I'll be bringing the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Doing better than probably anybody that played offensive or defensive line for TCU Mm -hmm. last night is doing. Uh, Rough night for the frogs in the trenches. Uh, A man who, even though... He honed his craft on the perimeter of the football field, knows about trench play and everything else because he is a football savant, a football theorist. Uh, He wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7 each and every weekday on the horn with Mike Harge. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UG All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. I appreciate the intro as always, brother. Great job. Great job. Uh, that's where I want to start, Rod. I talk about trench play. Matt, chime in too. Uh, Craig, Craig Wayne, I did light the tower before we came in here to record this podcast. Mm-hmm. Craig asked me for my impressions of the national championship game. Matt, you and I were talking about it a little bit before Rod got here. Uh, that game, guys, came down to three letters L O S, line of scrimmage, period, point blank, end of story. And you guys know we've done it on this show. I've done it personally. Rod, I know you've done it. We, we stick up for the Big 12 whenever it's warranted. Mm-hmm. I tried to. But for the media narrative, this oh, the SEC, it's all hype. That's all. Everybody. Okay, two things about the SEC. One, when that league stops leading the way in NFL draft picks, we'll stop talking about it. And when they clearly stop having the best line of scrimmage advantage over everybody in the country, we'll stop talking about the SEC. But that's where... Georgia just overwhelmed TCU last night. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, just shows you that the talent disparity um, was overwhelming, and that's why the line was what it was. And Vegas mm-hmm. looked at it. it was one of the biggest lines I think in national it's title the history, the biggest yet yeah, modern national title history. And you look at it. I think if I if I'm not mistaken, TCU only had four blue chips in their entire starting lineup on. 
starting 22. Mm-hmm. Let's see, it was actually four of them. You can count them on one hand. Um, hell, <laughs> I believe based on blue chip ratio, Buddy Elliott, Bud Elliott's you know stat that he keeps up with yearly, Georgia was basically the most talented or the second most talented roster in all the country. Mm-hmm. Um, that basically ended up materializing on the field last night. And honestly, I, I, I thought Georgia would win. I thought TCU would at least be able to keep it close. I thought schematically they'd be they'd have more of um, not an advantage, but I thought schematically that would be something that they could flip in their favor potentially in that game. They did not schematically they got their butts whipped, mm-hmm. so we knew the talent disparity is going to be glaring. But they got they got our coach. Guys got outplayed, and it looked like TCU may have had their worst game of the season. I know a lot of this because they're facing their best opponent, the toughest opponent of the season, but they also just didn't show up. They were flat. They didn't show up, and the game plan was weak. It was yeah. a weak game plan, and it, they, it looked like it. That's why you get blown out the way you did. I, yeah. got, I got 91 Texas-Miami Cotton Bowl vibes. Mm-hmm. Early in that game, yeah, I think everybody did. Mm-hmm. That like, first drive, whenever TCU, it just didn't look good, and then it, mm-hmm. they at least were able to fool you for a second because they got one big play on the second drive, and it was like, eh, maybe they can answer and keep it within a few scores. But by the end of the first quarter, it was over. You could tell <laughs> they had no shot. And to your point, Rod, the team composite for two four seven has TCU as the thirty second best roster versus yeah. the number two and narrowly number two Georgia. Yeah. Shout out to Bud Elliott doing it big on the twenty four seven sports yeah. national side. Um yeah. <laughs> I knew TCU was in trouble when I heard Kirby Smart's interview with Holly Rowe right before kickoff when she was asking, Oh, you know, winning back to back titles, what's it gonna take for your team to do it? And he just looks at her and goes, Aggression. <laughs> and that was it. And she goes, Is that it? He said, Hey, we're going hunting tonight. Hunting season's almost over. And we're going hunting tonight. I'm yeah. like, ooh, I got TCU a bad feeling ready. about this one. Yeah, TCU just wasn't ready for it. They were outmatched, of course, but they they also they were not mentally and <laughs> kind of physically focused enough to play that caliber of an opponent. No. And the coaches didn't help them out. Yeah, and it was sort of like uh, the opposite of like what we saw at the beginning of the Texas-Alabama game. I was surprised because Texas was playing on that level of physicality at the line of scrimmage, and it was like, wow, this might actually play out throughout the game. And like there have been few teams that have got to that Alabama level around the line of scrimmage. Like Clemson seemed to be for a handful of years, and Clemson they've really fallen off a bit in recent years. Exactly. But Georgia had been the one that if there's mm-hmm. anybody that took the mantle away last year, it was Georgia. Because when you looked at Georgia's roster last year, it wasn't even like uh, uh, arguable. It was like one of the most talented defensive front seven rosters in like the history of college football. Like it's that high. They lose that much talent that goes players. to the draft. They set the and record. They're able to still draft. maintain that and still have guys that are going to be first overall picks. Yeah. So it's like Georgia's on that Alabama level, and like you could see teams maybe for one game uh, samples go out there and perform above their head against them and hope that you play a re- – but you have to play a really tough game and play better than you are to compete with those teams. And TCU didn't even play up to their own standard. I do think, though, uh, playoff aside, and again, I'll state for the record, Tom Herman just ruined my view of what bowl games mean and what they don't mean. Yeah. To compare strength of conferences based on bowl games, especially in today's college football, man, it's a fool's errand. Uh, TCU beat every. They beat everybody in the Big Twelve. They Except were undefeated. 
Well, they, they beat K State in the regular well, season. Well, I know. I'm just saying, like, in the right. 12 title game, right. they lost to K State. But you beat, you beat everybody that was on your schedule. K State won the rematch. Uh, and take nothing away from TCU. Like, that that was a really good football team. It's a really good football team, but I remember talking to Jeremy Clark, our TCU publisher, in the press box before the Texas game. And he said that was what TCU's 10th game of the year, ninth game of the year. Mm-hmm. And he, he said to me at that point, he said, man, he's like, TCU's like that heavyweight boxer there against the ropes in a 12-round fight, and I don't know if they're going to come out of the corner. And he yeah. still had like three games left. They just kept finding ways to get it done. They, they very much overachieved what oh, yeah. we thought they were going to do. Yep. But, Rod, to your point, and Matt, you said this too, when you play like your C-minus, D-plus game against the best team in the country playing their A game, you got you got no shot. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Yeah. Uh, but to take this to Texas, because we'll definitely want to weave a Texas tie into this, if you look at how Sark is building this roster, that's how he's building it. They're building this thing from the inside out with offensive linemen and defense alone. Like, yes, you've got Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning and – Talk about the perimeter skill guys on offense, and we'll get to Jalen Catalan and continuing to build that secondary here in a minute. But all of that said, they are they are recruiting, at least recruiting the kind of bodies up front that can help them get to that level. I'm not saying they're going to be Georgia, but you've got the tools to do that. And if you can continue to develop a Kelvin Banks and a DJ Campbell and a Vernon Broughton, you know, Alfred Collins is still not consistently played what football I think we all believe he's capable of playing there's another level you can get to in the trenches and I think if you're a Texas fan if you want to take something away from last night I think that's what you take away is that hey at least the way Sark is building this roster at least he it seems like he's got he's going in the right direction yeah I know I, I agree with that but you got to stack them I mean, yes you're talking about Five, six classes mm-hmm. of that ilk and of that you know that magnitude that you keep stacking. Yeah. That's what Kirby Smart's done. That's what Nick Saban did at Alabama, um, and even Clemson. You know when they flashed for a while and competing at that level, uh, that's what they did. I mean, so for Texas, it's a great start, but yeah. you, you're three, four seasons away from yeah. doing that each year, mm-hmm. um, and that's really the the struggle I think for everybody. Yeah, yeah. how to do that. People will talk about transfer portal, but you don't get to that point that Georgia is with transfer portal type guys. Like no. if you are on the elite elite, it's stacking your own classes and being able to build the continuity we've envied and wanted at Texas that we haven't been able to see since like your Mac Brown prime era from 2000 to 2005. That was the last time up until 08 that you could see it stacked because once you had the rebuild and then each time we haven't even seen a coach see his senior class through. And then once you can get through there and not have to worry about that attrition, you can get to that point. And, you know, like when we're looking at the game last night, it sort of just reminded me of like a good corollary would be at times like we've seen other championship games like USC and tech in uh, Oklahoma, but like it reminded me of when a Texas Oklahoma game goes south. Like, you know, these two teams are on the same tier or not necessarily one might be better than the other, but both are good teams. But you could have a very, very Lopsided bad outcome, outcome because yeah. it just it's such an emotional game with teams that are so high. And when one team's playing at that optimal level and the other one isn't, and it's it can go an really bad. Team that yes. gets blown out yeah. too, and exactly. Basically, based on that scenario, TCU's, TCU's been that team never and, been on that stage. Yeah, no, they, they had filled been out there the, multiple times, and they didn't have the talented debt that yeah. Georgia has. They'd had sort of you know you had your your top line starters, but that's about it. So. And you, the the term you use there, Matt, that's that's where, Rod, to your point about the struggle, 
and that mountain you got to climb, it is much easier said than done when you start talking about talented depth. Yeah, And, and we've seen Texas have it in, in some positions, but I hate to go back to 05, man, but go look at that national championship team. Mm-hmm. That national championship team had talented depth. Aaron Ross off the bench. Yeah. That, that's that's when you have talented depth. Well, that's the ultimate. I, I think the the test of the talented depth would have to be from a player standpoint. When you basically for Georgia, this is always the case. You're only playing players who are better than the players you practice against. Maybe mm-hmm. twice, three times a year. Yeah, and yeah. those are in championship games, like your big rival games, and your college football playoff games. So if you're lucky, it's three, four times a year. For us, it was. Oklahoma, and it was if we got to, you know, not even a Big 12 title game, usually no. we still had better talent Colorado. than those guys. We'd have to get to a, a big-time bowl game, which, you know, we got to some good bowl games, but I don't think we got to a BCS bowl game, which we should have done. So um, I think for the programs that you, talk, you guys are talking about, Ohio State, you're talking about, you know, Georgia, Bama, what Clemson did, that's really their – that's a that's the different level that they go to where yeah. they're not even really worried necessarily about you know playing the next opponent they play to such a great standard because all they got to do is compete hard every damn day in practice because you're going up against a first round guy over there yeah we got near that in o two and then they took it to the next level after that because we had a Roy Williams we had you know BJ Jones you had NFL players that I had to go up against every day in practice that helped me cultivate my craft and become. Okay. An NFL player, too. Yeah, and the level that Georgia's at right now, even compared to the Ohio State's, now some sort of is how they decide to deploy their players. But the amount, like if you look at their wide receiver room for Georgia, they literally are nine deep. They're bringing in multitude mm-hmm. of guys. Like you got three slot guys that rotate in the same way some teams like will platoon D tackles and DNs, you know, the way Texas did this year. Georgia, yeah. they platoon their entire front seven. All those guys are playing like 30 to 50% of snaps. Those receivers are playing 30 to 50% of snaps. So they're out there optimal given 110%. Like you can go all out and their guys in their little preferred niche, and it allows you to have a multitude of ways to be deployed. Like, Kirby smart over time. Sometimes people have been critical. It's like, you know, well, we aren't getting the most out of these guys or like, why isn't George Pickens out there more last year or something? Mm-hmm. And, and there is the idea that there is a transfer portal and you want to give t- guys the time to play and keep your five stars there. But when you look at it, they're the only team like even Ohio State, like you, you look at their wide receivers, they're playing 100 percent of snaps. You look at Alabama, they're doing the same. Alabama's on their front seven. Those guys are their front seven. Like injuries can impact teams like that. Smith and Jigba impacted the injuries in the wide receiver room for Ohio State this year. Georgia's not like that. Georgia literally has too many players to even get out on the field right now. Yeah, the only position Texas does that with is D-tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, for Georgia, think about this. You are you have the Trayvon Walker. You have the number one pick as a defensive lineman last year. And – Carter's probably going to be the number one pick this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be he's going to be in the conversation. He might be the most talented player yeah. in the draft. So mm-hmm. it just it's absurd. And and to back piggybacking off what you just said, Matt, like we've seen Texas platoon at positions in some year where they didn't need to platoon. They yeah. shouldn't have platooned at wide receiver. Tom Herman was famous for that. Yes, should have just rolled with your best players. Great, he would do that at running back and wide receiver. Like, no, just, just that false player. that false sense that you have talented depth. Like no, you don't. I. <laughs> I can tell B. John Robinson's the best running back you got. Yeah. Yep. I, we all see it. Yeah. No. They did a decent job there with running back, actually, last year. Charlie Strong did that on season. defense, yeah. too. Like, yeah, they did a good job at running back with that. Like, why are you Why are you taking 
Malik Jefferson off the field and playing a linebacker that has no business playing right now? Yeah, if anything, you Sark this oh, year. because it's every third series. No. Yeah. yeah Play Sark, your best guys. He played that saving model, and he um, funneled all the usage. Like, yeah, all the snaps went straight through Whittington, Sanders, Worthy, Bijan, and Rojo. There wasn't no superfluous usage of anybody. Yeah, that's how, that's just kind of – Sark's always funneled usage. It was just thrown into another gear this year. Um, When we talk about the lines of scrimmage, uh, and that brings us to the news that was made official this morning as we record this. Uh, Christian Jones announced he's coming back. So if you're Texas, I don't even want to say it's a good news, bad news thing. You are going to bring back all five starters on the offensive line. But there's no guarantee those are going to be your five starters by the time you get to the opener against Rice. I agree with that. Yeah. But that's a position that, speaking of being able to rotate, guys, you should have – Hell, by next year, 7-8 deep at that mm-hmm. position. Considering t- what you brought in last year and what you brought in the last couple of years on the offensive line. We've always talked about, you know, you, granted, you're probably not going to have it like you had in 05 where you legitimately had, like, a second line you could bring in, and they were pretty good. I mean, not as good as your first group, but pretty good. And Mike Garcia, Will Winston, those guys were in that second group. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, every offensive line coach, Rod, what do we hear all the time? Oh, we need, we need like eight, seven or eight guys, seven or eight starting caliber players. Well, guess what, Kyle Flood? You're probably going to have that this year. And how you mix and match, like, honestly, I would take one of those guys, and maybe it's Connor Robertson, maybe it's Cole Hudson, I don't know. Find somebody that can push Jake Majors at center. And I'm not knocking Jake Majors, but there, do, there doesn't need to be any jobs on that offensive line that are safe. or Other than Kelvin Banks, other than Kelvin Banks at left tackle, mm-hmm. there don't need to be any jobs that are safe. I mean, you need to uh, give all the young guys an opportunity to at least be evaluated. That's what spring is going to be for, at least be evaluated now on their, their trajectory because a lot of these guys coming in, um, once they got into the strength and conditioning program, once you get them in the weight room, um, once Kyle Flood actually gets an entire offseason with these guys, some of these guys, their rate of development is going to surpass even maybe a guy who has more experience than them, and then Kyle Flood's going to have to figure out, all right, what's the best way – for me to maximize the five best O-linemen. I know Kyle Flood's big on just trying to get the five best O-linemen out there, which means you start cross-training guys, which is why his philosophy always has been, um, you know, start the young guys at guard. Um, It's easier transition usually Mm -hmm. for them. Um, They got some protection around them. Um, They got some support around them. And then they can transition to tackle. That usual manufacture you some depth too, so – uh, I'm assuming that what's the young man coming in from Florida, Peyton Kirkland? Yeah, Peyton Kirkland. Um, he'll he'll start at guard, and they'll see how well he performs at guard. Then they'll transition him out to tackle. Um, but guy like Kelvin Banks, you're talking about a phenom, a prodigy. So it is what it is with him. Uh, I mean, that's that's yeah. your building block on the old line. You know that, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, the good thing, like I'm just thinking about the old line next year, what the depth chart could look like, like. Let's say DJ Campbell is good enough to start, and you have to start him at guard. All right. Well, then Cole Hudson and Hayden Connor started every game this year. So one of those guys is going to be your – you're going to have a full-season starter as your first guy off the bench. Yep. 
That's a damn good. That's when you when you talk about talented depth. That's when you start having those conversations. Totally agree. Yeah, that's when you can survive an injury because normally across the O line you're going to have one. Texas had one in pre camp last year with the guy that you had expected in the previous to be a starter, and then it po- sort of put you in this point where you're playing young guys, which was good for the development, maybe for the growth of Sark and for Floods guys to get them in there early, and it could maybe be something that you benefit from this year when now you're actually able to have a guy like that coming off the bench. And hell, man, I, Junior Angulao, just a, a tough SOB and, and played his played his butt off for Texas, but one of the reasons why he's headed to Oregon, he had nothing guaranteed for him here, especially coming off the ACL. If he hadn't been able to go through spring, by the time he got back for summer conditioning, hell, DJ Campbell, Cole Hudson, all those young guys could have been so far ahead of him. There, there was no way he'd get a depth chart spot back. Yeah. No. And this is the guy that started 30 games in this program. Ended up landing on his feet, though. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oregon's not a bad fallback. And, and Carrick no. ended up, what, Tennessee? Tennessee. Yeah. That's that's what's interested, interesting to me to track the portal transfers, the mm-hmm. guys going out. All those guys, you know, Carrick to Tennessee, Angula to Oregon, uh, uh, Jameer Johnson to Indiana. Trying to think, Prince Dorba to Arizona State, Troy O'Meary to Arizona State, like pretty much all your guys that are transferring out, they're going to Power Five programs. Yeah, it's a good sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, DJ Harrison going to Power Five, but he's going to South Florida. Good sign. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not like they're having to go down to FCS or Division Two to find new homes. No, I agree with you on that, and I think for you know for Texas, like I said, it's, that's everybody's got to deal with attrition now. That's a that's something not that you know you're not immune to it. Everybody's got to deal with, it, especially I think the bigger your program. The more attrition you end up, you're gonna end up having. Bama, Georgia, they're all having it too. Um, but yeah, when those guys ended up going to Power Five programs, I think it does show that you know your roster construction. Um, I think it's a compliment to basically your roster construction over the years. Yeah. Those guys are still coveted, even though they may not have had a lot of reps. They have a, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of film that those guys are still coveted for me. So I think it's something that I mean I know you guys keep up with it over there at two four seven, but it is worth keeping up with the guys who leave the program to see if they end up landing on their feet and what level they end up with. Because it's really tough, actually. We're learning via the transfer portal, and it's brand new, but just some of the recent numbers, it's actually tough for guys to have that, you know, that 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 transition from Power 5 to Power 5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys go from Power 5 and they drop down to Group of 5. We saw that even drop the down to a lower years. level. Yeah. So it's not, it's not always guaranteed that you're just going to leap right from Power 5 program to Power 5 program. Yeah. It's just keep up with like a percentage of how many of your guys end up going power five, group of five. Yeah, it's either really good or really bad. And in that yeah, situation, yeah, you end up with nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if your program's falling off and they're leaving to better places, that's not good. This is a different scenario where hopefully Texas has got to the point that you have so much depth that even good players are yeah. looking like, ah, I yeah. don't think I'm going to be able to compete here. Yeah. I heard, you know, all the talk about DJ Campbell and bowl practice, probably a good idea for me to go to another big-time school. Because there's been, like, guys like like Marcus Tillman had to go Juco. Yeah. I forget. I mean, he's time with Memphis, maybe. I forget where he mm-hmm. signed. The year before, or uh, Foster no, went to Lamar. Yeah, be, well, no, well, be, Sam, uh, Houston Sam Houston. State? Sam Houston, Sam Houston. Yeah. sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, think, I, haven't, I haven't seen the numbers this year, but I know a lot of guys are having to – Go to a low, nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Go down to a lower level to play when they're coming from a Power Five program, and I know that it's not something that is a guarantee that you just because you're a Power Five player or at least seen it one time as one that you're going to leapfrog over to another one. Have Scholarships we, are scarce. Have we talked about this? I think we did. Rod, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we talk about basically how if you're 
if you're a college football head coach, that basically you have to almost approach roster construction now like you would if you're an NFL head coach or, or running it like an NFL front office. Yeah. Especially with NIL incorporated. Yeah. I mean, especially now that the schools, now the schools can quote unquote have a hand in NIL. The coaches can know what's mm-hmm. going quote unquote know what's going on with NIL. Yeah. Like the transfer portal is your that's basically your your waiver wash your free agency right yeah. there. It's guys you can go pick up. Then you have NIL, which you know it's not necessarily a salary cap or anything like that, but you know that it is you know un, un unfortunately or fortunately it is linked now to the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. We know that, and guys want to see what they're worth on the open market. The only way to see that. It's the transfer portal. Yeah. Gonna see. And now that you can have representation, now there are back channels to go through. Yep. And it's, you know, it, yeah. I, for people to be like, well, it's ruining college. Well, just get used to it, man. Yeah. Just wrap, wrap you, your head around it. You embrace already it. Have a, you already have some uh, someone or a staff devoted just to the transfer portal now. But, Rod, right, players haven't been that. getting paid until now. Uh, well, <laughs> they haven't been getting paid over Players time. haven't been getting perks they until now, Rod. Right? You know that. They haven't been getting it uh, legally. <laughs> you should say that. Yes. Lawfully. Legally, within and the rules, they're still oh, playing man. football. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't change the football much out there. Um, but no, I, I I think for uh, for Texas, you know, we'll get into their transfer. Texas schools like Texas should always be on the even though they're going to lose guys, going to transfer a portal, give them takeaway. They should always be most of the time on the winning side, on the yeah. beneficial side of the transfer portal. But you almost do have status. You almost do have to approach it like. From from an NIL standpoint, we talked about this with O'Shawn Mathis last year. You almost do have to approach it like, you know what? And, and I'm not saying this was the dollar figure for O'Shawn Mathis. But like, you know what? Is this guy worth a one year rental from an NIL standpoint for eight hundred thousand dollars? Exactly. Maybe not. I mean, that's like NFL free agency. No, I mean, we only want to give you a one year contract with a club option for for two. Well, they're guaranteeing me two. We'll go there if they're going to guarantee you two because mm-hmm. we're not. Yeah. No, I, I I think Texas might have looked at what they had coming via, you know, just the depth that they had developed in the offseason and, and said to themselves, honestly, we think these guys are going to take a step. Yeah. And even though they made it may be better with an Ocean Mathis, is he worth the price tag? We don't know what the price tag was. But but we've talked about that, that aspect of it, too, and I think that gets lost on people sometimes. You know, offensive line's a perfect example. Why didn't you add a portal body? Why didn't you add a portal body? Well, because Kelvin Banks got those reps. And DJ Campbell in practice got those reps. And Nato Amazulu got those reps. Mm-hmm. Cam Williams got those reps. Not some guy that was just going to be here for one year that probably wasn't better than what you already had, and that's that's got there's a, a real moment of self reflection and being real with yourself about where guys are in their development. Like if you think like let's take edge rusher right, we're talking about Oshawn Mathis. Let's look at edge rusher. If I'm PK because he coaches the edge guys mm-hmm. and the D, and, and he's DC too. If I'm PK and you know uh, Bobby Merritt or whoever it is brings me names from the portal. Hey, here's some edge guys we need to look at. Man, if I look at that list, and I don't, I really don't think that any of those guys on that portal list are better than Justice Finkley or Ethan Burke or Baron Sorrell or Colton Vossett coming in for the spring. Don't take one. Don't waste a scholarship on a guy. You can't waste scholarship. Oh, let's take a guy just because. No. Yeah. Don't do it. Not just for a body. Or be real. Yeah. Jalen Catalan is going to be a perfect example of this. We like our young safeties. Just don't think they're ready yet. We need that. We need a one year, a one year rental at safety. Mm-hmm. A productive power five player to to act as a stopgap until those young safeties are ready. How I many? He's got more than one year of eligibility, right? Uh, How many does he have? Jalen Catton. So he, right, re- he was a freshman. So he redshirted in nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two. 
And then, so, but he had, year. Yeah, he didn't play in like basically like one or two games, right? One of those years. Uh, he played well, this year. He only played one game. Yeah. So I don't know what that does for. Yeah, I don't. I don't know because like, and he's got a COVID year somewhere thrown in there too. Because like Ovia Gofu is in the portal, and I'm like, how the hell does he have another year? <laughs> I I really have stopped trying to keep track of these years with the COVID. Year. It yeah. really is tough. You know well, who else? What, you know who else has another year? Spencer Sanders got. Yeah. Another, like how the hell is Spencer Sanders? You know who else got another year? Who's back in the portal? Jawan Mitchell. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, like I, how I, do you have eligibility <laughs> left? What's going on? The NCAA's like, we don't give a damn. Yeah, we, on yeah, the back end. gets another year. When they so, told everybody <laughs> that they get it on the back end to apply for it, so I, then I wonder if they're then letting them medically apply. I have no for idea. The, before the I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I used to keep track of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's tough now. Yeah, I no. assume he's got, like, more than one year of eligibility just because of his injuries alone and the COVID. But yeah. I could be wrong about that. I could be off about that. Um, but, yeah, man, that's, that's a home run. I, I, mean, I can't imagine there's a higher-ranked. Um, safety in the transfer report. Yeah, yeah I think I think Jalen Catalan does have two more years. Just because it, it, I mean, hell, I everybody's so. got extra years. These yeah, because when you add on, like the too. way that Scaife and Shipley got, had their six, then you add a COVID. Now. <laughs> well, you everybody has yeah. that because that yeah. that was yeah. done back pre-COVID. Yeah, right. So, so you have be, your normal redshirt, your yeah. medical redshirt, yeah. then a, a possible COVID year if wow. you want it on the back end. Unbelievable. So that's how Sanders gets his seventh year. Yeah, in twenty three, he'll be a he'll be a redshirt senior, and then he can he can have his COVID year. So Jalen Catalan's got if two. He want, if, if hopefully he, he doesn't it. want it. Hopefully, hopefully that hopefully, hopefully, yeah, so exactly. Like, Man, I don't want that COVID. I'm good. I'm out. That's, yeah. that's the hope. Uh, but no, he's a. He's a and other than injuries, that's the biggest concern. Gosh, he's man. a next. I mean, he's an NFL safety. Yeah. Period. It's no other way to it's say worth it. The, if he's the, healthy, yeah. The, ju- the NFL safety. The juice is worth the squeeze. Oh yeah, you know? no doubt. Because I, I mean, if he, if he, if he has another shoulder injury, then okay, we'll just have to see what these young guys have. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to stick on the secondary, Rod, because you had Jalen. You know, you lose Anthony Cook, who I don't even know if we brought this up with you last week, but Matt on Matt and I talked about it the week you were out. Like, give props to Anthony Cook. He played the last five games of the year with a broken forearm, yeah. playing with a club on his that. arm. Yeah, that was wild. And I'm like, you know, we're talking about that. We're talking about it with the Alamo Bowl. Like, there was that fourth down stop that Texas got late in the game that Cook broke on the ball. I'm like, man, if he didn't have that, like, you know, just blocking pad on his arm or whatever, like he might have picked that ball off. Yeah, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. The, but the pain, like management was like that. It sounds painful as hell. And it's not oh like he God. was. It's I mean, not like somebody with it, that. It's not like he was pulling up when he was hitting guys either. Yeah, I no. don't. That's a, that's a lot of testicular fortitude, man. That's Shout a deep. Out. That's that's what they do at DB High, right? That's yeah, what you guys are all man. about. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> the NFL scouts. I'm sure they'll like it too. He's oh, going yeah. to the Hula Bowl, so he'll he'll get himself a chance to yeah. to get, get himself in the ring. Might bring him into camp. No question. Uh, well, the Cowboys are dirt cheap when it comes to safety, so maybe <laughs> local kid. <laughs> oh, un- undrafted guy, come here. Come uh, hey, just, they, they they were playing well before they all got hurt. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, but I want to stick on the secondary, Rod. So Anthony Cook is gone. Deshaun Jameson is gone. Basically, you're just replacing those two guys with portal guys. It sounds like pretty much you're going to have the same same kind of rotation. Both Deshaun Jameson, quiet year, but a good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Cook, we just talked about what he did. I don't know if you're upgrading, bringing in Gavin Holmes over to, over to Sean Jamison, but as good as Anthony Cook was, a healthy Jalen Catalan is an upgrade over Anthony Cook. As yes. good as Cook was. Um, honestly, I think if we're talking about the field corner, I think Terrence Brooks might make a move. Yes. Take that spot. Yeah, yeah he was I great. think they would want him to take the spot. Now, you're right. They have a contingency plan um, via the transfer portal, but I think they want Terrence Brooks to have that spot. Um, I was surprised that he didn't really make more of a move this year, but they started, you know, they started playing. They played a lot more of those young corners than we thought. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for 
at least someone to assert themselves there because they knew they're going to lose to Sean Jameson and lose to Anthony Cook. Jalen Catalan thing, I mean, that's like I said, I love the, the safety tandem now between Jaron Thompson and between Jalen Catalan. I mean, that's a high-level safety tandem right mm-hmm. now. And I love that you got Ryan Watts at your boundary corner, Jade Barron at nickel. I assume Terrence Brooks is going to be the field corner. Right now, that looks like your secondary. Yeah, it felt like to me, and Rod, you watch the secondary more than I do, because I kind of watch line of scrimmage and then go out. I know you watch the secondary because that's your position of expertise. Uh, it felt like Austin Jordan might have been ready earlier, but as the year yeah. went on, Terrence Brooks probably caught that rate of development you talk about. Terrence mm-hmm. Brooks probably caught up with him and I think passed him by the end of the year. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. And Austin Jordan, I think, is still going to be a good player. Yeah, no, and I'm not, I'm not saying he's not. It This is my prediction on what the secondary will be. I think that's your starting secondary. I think yeah. today Barron's already locked his down. Ryan Watts coming back, Jaron Thompson, but Jaden Catlin coming in, that's your other safety. And I think the other only competition will be at that field corner. I, I, I like Terrence Brooks at that spot. Um, yeah, and Terrence Brooks, if you look at the numbers, he played the highest amount of man coverage on the team amongst all the corners, which is impressive as hell for a freshman to be like, you're going to be the guy we're going to use that the most of. It was limited amount of snaps, but and also when targeted, only a 74 NFL passer rating, which is really, really good. Yeah, he can play. He's got great feet. He's got natural technique. His dad is a DB, you know, independent DB coach. Chad Brooks, actually, the mm-hmm. yep. uh the Aggie, the guy that came up with the Wrecking Crew mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> label, actually. Um, and I met Chet Brooks. He's a, he's a really cool guy, but um, I, I can tell you right now, he's been working with his son for a long time on footwork and technique, so that stuff comes natural to him. Yeah. That's why I think he's so great in man coverage. Don't really have to focus on his technique or his footwork or you know the fundamentals because I think that's kind of ingrained naturally um, within yeah, and his the, DNA. <laughs> and to have that on that side, whenever you look at him and Watts when they've combined, like those were by far, if you just look at the numbers in the passer rating allowed, and Watts and Brooks were the best on the team. Yeah. So they're being asked to be on that island, and they both were able to do if it. It fits the eye test. And ultimately, that's what Sark wants, right? He said, I want DBs that can play man-to-man coverage so we can devote bodies to stop and run. Ryan Watts is your easily your you know best boundary man-to-man corner playing bump and run most of the time. Mm-hmm. It, they have that field corner playing awful lot. I bet they want to play more bump and run on that field corner too. I just don't think they trusted Deshaun Jameson. Yeah. Like they, they thought he was a better cornerback getting able to read number two and being able to read the quarterback, which he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they, I think they'll trust Terrence Brooks, actually, if he wants the job, to play more bump and run on the outside and you have a bump and run guy on the boundary. And that's ultimately what Texas wants. They want to be like Georgia does. That, uh-huh. right? That's what your Georgia, your Ohio State's oh, yeah. are doing. That's what LSU does. No, no. We got corners that can play – you know, man-to-man, Bama. We got corners that can play man-to-man and lock you up. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, in Georgia, you know I mean? they played more man than they did zone, which is almost, yeah, like, unheard of in college. Like, almost nobody exactly. does that statistically. Because you don't have the – nobody's got the dogs that do it. No exactly. Intended, but and you, they <laughs> tied together – yeah, good one. They tied together the defense Texas did because when you look at Jameson this year, when targeted in zone coverage – He's got 46 NFL passer rating. He He's was awesome. very good working yeah. within the framework see, of the defense. Been able to see the quarterback and see number two. He's a great at that. Which also fits why Jeff said maybe yeah. safety no, in the future. No, I, I did not disagree with Jeff yep. at all. I thought he was rounding him because he does. He's a better player when he can see. He has great field vision. And when he can see the quarterback, see number two, field number one, oh, he's awesome. He really is. He's great. That's why they had him playing a lot of 
pattern match cover four and a lot of cover three because mm-hmm. he's good in that role. I think with these other corners, though, they're going to want to play yeah. some man the coverage. And Catalan can do that. You can lock up with him on. He can play even the slot. Uh, yeah, you want. I've got Catalan snaps here. Yeah, so I want to go back. Barron's a good man to man cover guy. So I think next year, I don't know what the man yep. coverage snaps are. I got to go back and do some research, Matt, because you probably got it in front of you. But I bet, I bet they'll have a 15 to 20 percent. Like percentage point increase in man coverage next year. Yeah, they, I mean they did Guaranteed. this year already because yeah. last year it was Texas was down so low it was around like when you look at individual players the only player with more than like twelve or fifteen percent was Jade Barron was floating mm-hmm. around twenty percent and then this year you have guys like Brooks and Barron over twenty percent and same with Watts right there playing to where like at least. They're playing a significant amount compared to last year, some of them doubling up the amount. Yep. Here's Jalen Catalan's snap counts. And, again, he only played one game this year. I think played six games in 2021, but he did play 10 in 2020. Um, six snaps as a defensive lineman, mm-hmm. 331 in the box, 610 as a safety, wow. 207 in the slot, and 25 at corner. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Very rarely do players play that much across yeah. the field. Yeah. Like, Rod, you hit it on the head. He, he's an NFL player that's if, he's, if he's healthy. Player. Period. I mean, that's, that's the best compliment I give him. He's got a Sunday skill set. Uh, it's got to stay healthy. Hey, off topic real quick, Rod, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I heard you talking about it a little bit on the air, but I want to dive into it a little bit more. Uh, you got to coach DBs at the uh, All American Combine. I did actually, San Antonio. Yeah, that's where actually that's I was awesome, hanging man. out with with Chad Brooks because he was one of the coaches. Uh, Everson Walls was one of the coaches, and yep. Lifetime Longhorn Aaron Williams was one of the coaches, just for the Combine and like the underclassmen like yeah. camp that they have, basically doing one on ones and just taking them through drills and stuff. But it was it was fun. I mean, it was a twelve hour affair. I mean, it was like six hundred some kids came to that damn thing. You, you guys, you guys were doing the coach on the field. That's a long day, man. It was a long day, but it was fun though. I'm not gonna lie. It got my football fix out there. <laughs> it was really good. DBs, man, they look good too. We, I thought they did a good job. I thought the DBs won, but hell, I probably would have said that. <laughs> I thought the DBs won the one on ones, but I'm sure someone on social media will say something else. But, any, hey. it was any uh, any any DBs from the Austin area catch your eye? Uh, there were a couple of DBs from um, the Austin area that were out there. Uh, LB Jace, uh, Christian Watson was out there. It's a young cat to, to young keep cat. an eye on. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, they had guys from around the country. I mean, Florida, California. Hell, I mean, they had. I New mean, Jersey. guys from Dakota. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. I was shocked that they had yeah. Georgia. A lot of guys from Georgia. Georgia's got some. They got some, yeah. They got some athletes, man. They can go. You were gonna say dogs, but you. Yeah, I know. Off. I, was like, yeah, I can't <laughs> say dogs. Yeah, 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 they can't do it again. Um, but no, that it was. It was. It was really good. And I, hell, man. Now I got a bunch of youngsters that follow me on Twitter that hit me up for uh, DB uh, advice there about you go. technique and stuff Drills. like that. So uh, that's pretty cool, though. It, it, it was fun. I'll do it again if they need me to. So I saw a lot of the feedback you were getting on Twitter, uh, on a social, on the on the social after mm-hmm. that. Get your get your juices flowing to maybe want to coach. Uh, Making that transition because I know you said you thought about it at one I time. I have thought about it. it, it it's it's fun, man. I I, I can't lie. It's um uh, you do get a little high from it, you know. Just watching young people just consume the coaching, then go out there and execute it and get better. Mm-hmm. Where you can actually see some guys get better rep to rep. Yeah. Oh man, it is ridiculously satisfying. So I get it. I really do get it. And then you know the enthusiasm kind of takes care of itself. So I I really did, man. I. 
I love football. Football's my first love. I mean, my wife's got to deal with that. It's my greatest love. She's probably, she's my second greatest love. It is. It's just the reality yeah. of it. It's, yeah. it's nothing against her. Ask Tom You're Brady. Transparent. Ask Tom Brady about Giselle. He told Giselle yeah. the same thing. And she didn't want to hear this. It's like, babe, that's my greatest love. Yeah. It's my first love. You know that. I, I, I know I'd made you, I told you something, but you know that. I always told you she, she comes first. Yep. And that's the I mean that's other otherwise I wouldn't have, you know, given up so much to play the game. I love the game and I had a passionate love affair with the game for so long where I got a chance to play it while others had to watch from afar. You love the game, Matt loves mm-hmm. the game. Um but you know, once you guys were done playing it, you had to you become a spectator. Yeah, mm-hmm. can you don't have that love affair at the game. You got to watch from afar. Cover you get, the game. Yeah, you get, get to cover it. That's your only fix. I get to cover it. I get to analyze. It. I get to watch it. And um, getting that close to the game again is oh man, it's to- it's it's really it's intoxicating. <laughs> it is. I got high off of it. So it does help me get my little fix I need because I do miss just being that close to the game. I miss being around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I do. I and I dive into stuff like I'm gonna be a coach when I'm not coaching anything, but. Um, you know, because it, it does, it gets you, I, I get really, in, you know, I get inspired by the game. I, I love watching it, and I love being around people who have passion for it. And those young kids, oh, man, they all just, you can you can tell. Mm-hmm. They all are just in love with the game at that time. Yeah. They are just fixated with it. Yeah, and they, I can see it in their eyes. I'm like, oh, I remember that look. I remember mm-hmm. that look, man. And it, it's it. So I, I miss it. I miss it. I won't get into it because... Man, it is a tough life, though. It's tough on the family. You know, yeah. uh, it's tough on your family. You make a, you make good money, but it is tough on people's family. You, you know what? Health. My favorite yeah. thing to do when I was on the road covering recruiting, and I would go to camps and combines. What I look for, I didn't pay attention to who was winning reps because we're some kids you do. Yeah, I wanted. I was watching the kids. Who's the kid like cutting to get another rep? Oh, we had that guy jumping <laughs> to the front of the line. We had that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. Stealing I like reps. that kid. Yeah. He was stealing. And then Everson Wallace kept telling the guy. He was like, "Hey, stop to the reps." And I was like, "I was like, Everson." You know, I'd be still in the reps. He's like, me too. <laughs> He's like, yeah. But I was like, no, because he wanted everybody to get reps, and he kept stealing the reps. We had to take him out and say, hey, man, you can't be stealing reps from everybody. But I'm like, you, I wouldn't let nobody steal my reps. Mm-hmm. I'd be the one oh, stealing reps. Yep, got the reps You can't be starting yeah. fights in the line. You yeah. Know, no, things. we had to start like a, had like a line, but he kept stealing reps. And I'm like, if y'all let him take y'all reps, that's on y'all, man. <laughs> yeah. Y'all came from around the country to this camp, and you going to let this dude steal your reps? Man, we might have been fighting on that sideline. That would have been going on. But I, it, you're right. That's all always those guys i like i it's think it's, i think it's some guys texas has had over the years like marcus johnson was one of those guys yeah every yeah. like comp, whatever he could do to like put his name out there, out there he did he and get a competition like i want look, a competition he got himself what five six years in the league he's, he's still, still in the league, league. is he really he's on the giants yeah he's with the giants yeah i have no idea all season he's been on the giants and he did it last year with the colts yeah he's all over the place well i literally just watched a game when like marcus johnson got hurt he took the job he was like yeah i got it incompletion of marcus Justin, I was like, and I looked, and I was like, Marcus Justin? Yep. Still in the league. Marcus exactly. Because why? Stealing the reps. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I got this rep. It's my rep. Marcus He's head on. Who's got guys, injured? Man. I'm going to go and get hey, on that team. Young people steal them reps. I agree, man. Yeah, you'll, they'll kick you an SOB, but. Another, hey, a, a, guy, a guy that you yeah. were there coaching with on Friday, Desmond Jackson was one of those guys. Tank Jackson was one of those guys. Oh, yeah, guys Tank was there. The yeah. stole reps. Hung out with Tank a little bit, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, can say, I, I love those guys. I, I, I'll tell them, tell them they shouldn't do it, but yeah. in, my, in private, I'm like, hell yeah, that's the guy. That's nice. Hey, Everson Walls, people, Ooh. Google him, kids. Oh, yeah. Had a hell a of beast. a career. I want to say like 57 interceptions in his career, yeah, some along those he's... lines. Just a beast, man. Just. Uh, and, and Cole, I actually, 
Uh, hell, I guess Here's somebody my, my dad told me about. Oh, up. man. I, I got actually had you know dinner with Everson Wells, hanging out with Sir Rod. So shout out to Sir Rod. Um, <laughs> and they were like eating, and I just kind of I, I was asked to come hang out in a bum rush to dinner for a little while just because I was like, I'm hanging out with Everson Wells. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's cool. He is a really cool guy. And I'm not going to lie, it's amazing. He said he ran a 4 7. <laughs> he picked and, off 11 passes his rookie year. Yeah, he said he ran a 4 7. And said that when he first got to, I think we went to Grambling. He said he was terrible. Mm-hmm. He said he was like he was getting burned every day and getting it just getting roasted. And he figured out that basically he was a better off corner because everybody thought because he was so big. Oh man, you got to go play bump and run because you're so big. Because he was big and slow. Um, but when he played off, because we just, kind of we talked about with Deshaun Jameson, mm-hmm. his vision. Yeah, and his uh, you know Football ability IQ. to process route combinations and the progressions. That's what really took over. And then he just became he was money. He just kind of took off from there. And he was he was great. That's why he was talking about. I played off. He was like Rob, Robbie, you like to play bump and run. Um, he's like Jed Brooks. He's like he can teach you technique and footwork. So everybody kind of brought something different to the table. I mean, yeah. I was I was kind of a man to man technician. That that was my thing. I just played man to man. That's all I did. That's all I focused on. That's what they brought me here to do. Um, and I could play bump and run man to man specifically. Um, and even Everson Walls said like that. I didn't really play a lot of bump and run. That wasn't my thing. I like to play off coverage. Uh, Everson Walls, by the way, tied for 13th all-time in interceptions in league history with 57. Yeah, man, he's, uh, he's tied with uh, Ed Reed for the NFL man. record for the most seasons leading the league in interceptions. Did bad it three man. times. It's a bad man. Yeah. No, I don't know. Why, I don't know how he's not in the Hall of Fame. I didn't. I wanted to ask him. Yeah, about that's it. crazy. Yeah, I was like, man, have you give a finalist? Like, what happened with that? That's crazy. Veterans committee. Yeah, he's got to get, get your it. s together. Yeah, he's a beast. So um, shout out to Everson Wells. So no, I, just, I I did want to get into that, Rod. But let me ask yeah. you this, Rod, as we shut it down, stay in the secondary. Last season, we saw Anthony Cook go from corner to safety. Keaton Crawford went from corner to safety. Jaday Barron went from corner to star. Mm-hmm. If you're going to cross train somebody in that secondary from one position to another, who you cross train? That is good. Oh, damn. Y'all ain't going to really like this. Go for it. Oh. Honestly, I know it sounds strange. <laughs> and I was actually talking to, uh, I've heard Mike Griff talk about this. I actually heard uh, Chad Brooks talk about it. it might need to be Ryan Watts. To safety? If you want to cross train somebody. It's not about it. Brooks Watts. is that good to be able to do what he does there, you know? Uh, well, I'm just saying, like, he, honestly, the depth I, of the I, team. There are a lot work. of people that believe he projects to be a safety in the league. Uh-huh. Uh, I've heard Mike Griff talk about it. I was even talking to Chet Brooks about it. He was like, I'm like a safety to me in the league. Um, and that's a guy, you know, I mean, it's looking at forward, looking at more, more importantly, your hips, I think is what they're looking at. Yeah. Now, you can still play corner at that size without having really, you know, loose hips, as they call it, as a DB. I had loose hips. My hips could turn really quickly. Quinn Jammer did not have loose hips. Quinn mm. Jammer had stiff hips. But he was he played bump and run at the line of scrimmage, had long 36-inch pythons, all right, and he could just maul you at the line of scrimmage, just molest you at the line of scrimmage. I, I couldn't do that. I could, I could, you know, I could reroute you. But he gets his hands on you, and then over. it's over. Yeah, it's just over with. And But the, the whole point was, if you could get around that jam, jam didn't really have the hips to be able to keep up with you, so you can really get in and out of your brakes and decelerate and accelerate. You could get jammer. Um, and that I think that's the case with Ryan Watts, too. Yeah. You notice once you get around that jam, you get around that jam pretty good, uh, you got him. All you got to do is give him a couple of moves mm-hmm. to top of the route, and you can get Ryan Watts. But it's, it ain't easy. to get off. By the time you get off the jam, the quarterback might have moved on in his progression. Yeah. That's usually the hope when you got a guy that's that good at playing bump and run coverage. And Texas has a lot of trust in him because they leave him pretty much alone. That's why teams mm-hmm. attack him because they're like, man, you don't get a lot of help. 
They're like, you know what, it's, it's just 50-50 balls against that guy, and he's got to win his fair share, which he does. So I think for Ryan Watts, just looking at the future, I'd cross-train him, put him up at safety sometimes. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes when you get unbalanced sets anyway and they're still like playing uh, boundary and playing field, they end up putting him over the top of the nub side tight end or yeah. something like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Back. So I would, I, would, I would entertain it and see if you got another corner that can just lock up. I think, it, I think that, that's where that I was going with that. Up. I think it would depend on what do you feel better about. Do you feel better about uh, one of the young guys as a backup safety, yeah. Jalen Catalan, or do you feel better about Austin Jordan as a backup boundary corner if you did have to, if an injury you, happened and you did have to switch. Think about last year. Think about what happened to your defense and your coverage when you lost the boundary corner for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. It was decimated. You mm-hmm. need a plan B in the contingency. You almost there. lost the Iowa State game because of it. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Like, yeah. So if something happens to Ryan Watts, you don't need to be SOL. You need to find somebody that can hold up there. And at their idea last year, I think it was smart to move Jaday Barron out there, but then left you vulnerable at nickel. Yeah. So you basically need just plan Bs all across the board. Yeah. Um, and I think your plan B at nickel – We'll see what Jalen Gilbo looks like. I don't know about his, his physicality, though. He kind of lacks the physicality to play in that nickel sometimes. I like his game in terms of coverage. I, I love but. the idea of Mo Blackwell as a Jalen Petrie-ish Ooh, like that. star. But now you need him a linebacker now. I know. I like your idea. I want him yeah. to be a hybrid so bad. Uh. It just I'm, I'm a Mo Blackwell truther, unabashed. No, I love this. I, I love Blackwell. that idea with Mo Blackwell. I think you know. I think Texas ultimately needs to start. And I know we're not getting into this because I know we're about at the end of the podcast. But you know, Jordan Whittington's coming back. Um, it kind of goes to the Mo Blackwell conversation. You know, Texas needs to to start diving into more positionless football on both sides of the ball. And the reason I say this is because specifically on offense, I think. Texas is going to be searching for an identity. Last year, your identity was just put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. They did not have an identity in that bowl game. It was, you know, just Quinn was throwing the football, but I don't think it really had an identity to it. Um, it seemed, at times, seemed aimless. Um, just trying, just make, trying to find some type of juice and groove mm-hmm. with the passing game. But I like the way Quinn played. I think with the pieces you got, the, and I would say you build your identities around proven commodities. You can't build your identity around something that's not a proven commodity just yet. Jordan Whittington was underutilized. And mostly because I think they just kind of pigeonhole him into being a slot guy, and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to start moving Jordan Whittington around and even start expanding upon the route concepts for Jordan Whittington. There's not enough slot fades for Jordan Whittington in there. You know, there's not enough I mean, those vertical routes for Jordan Whittington. I think she's actually really good at some of those vertical routes, and it could be better at contested catches too. So not only can you use him as an extension of the running game because uh, he is a versatile, he's a hybrid, right? Like these hybrids in positionless football, he's a guy you can actually move into the backfield. And you can actually start with different personnel packages and formations with him in the backfield. He can play running back for you. He can play slot, and he can play the outside wide receiver. Your probably your best weapon on offense coming back is going to be your tight end, J.T. Sanders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't just pigeonhole him. I like how he put him in the slot a lot, and they even put him out wide a lot. He needs to be an H back for you too. You should line him up in the backfield at times as a lead blocker, but on play action and have him sneaking out yeah. into the flat, have him running some of those concepts. Um, you know, you can run screen game with JT Sanders more. So I think in terms of utilizing positionless football, you start moving those guys around more. Keelan Robinson is a perfect piece to do that with too. Yeah. Right? A proven come out. You start moving those guys around. You play wide receiver for you. I like that he caught balls past the line of scrimmage. 
And the reason I say it's positionless football because it will allow you to essentially turn your offense into um, a, a unsolvable Rubik's cube, mm-hmm. right? With 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 what, what is it forty forty something quintillion different permutations <laughs> that you can have in a Rubik's cube? If you have enough versatile hybrids, you can do that. And the perfect example, and I hate to bring it up because we always do, Shano. Mm-hmm. Shano has mark it on your bingo card. Shano has Shano's offense right now, in my opinion, is. It may not be the best offense in the NFL, but it's certainly easily the most unique. Mm-hmm. And it's built around one concept, positionless football. Everybody can play everywhere. Everybody can play multiple positions, right? He's got Debo that can play wide receiver, but also line him up in the backfield, put him in the slot, put him out wide. He's got Same with know, Kittle. He's got Kittle. Hey, hey, put Kittle in, the, in the, as an H-back, put him as a tight end. I can flex him, put him in the slot, put him out wide. CMC. Juice check, same mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah, see, Christian McCaffrey, all those guys. Even when Debo went down, Ayuk was able to fill those roles, and they it, were handing off the ball to Ayuk. There, there's nothing like it in football today, and it is it was intentional. Remember, remember him drafting guys like, like Jalen Hurd? Because mm-hmm. he, he, yeah. he's always coveted that type of skills. He's been looking for it for a while. Now he's got all the right pieces. Nobody else in the NFL has embraced positionless football. People have dabbled in it. Nobody's embraced it wholeheartedly like he has. So this is a the NFL is a copycat league. Usually when you win a Super Bowl, you're able to hell compete for multiple Super Bowls. You have a concept. You have something that has separated you from the rest of the league. And Shannon wanted to find something unique that was cutting edge and groundbreaking that can separate him from the rest of the league in his positionless football. Sark, I think he's got athletes. Savion Red can be one of these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You can, you, it may not be something you can major in, but you can definitely minor in it. And I think it really will help Texas kind of forge an offensive identity around some proven commodities because positionless football is the future of football. It's just it's just far in the future. It's like 15, 20 years from now. Yeah. And I think that's why Manchano has a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. It's because his offense is so unique. Defensively, there is no real way to solve it. Like there's yeah. there's a mismatch well, and somewhere, it makes you so more, everywhere. Yeah. It's the opposite of Tom Herman football, where you are, become so predictable just by your personnel, yes. and it pigeonholes you. Yep. It's the total opposite. The, your Rubik's cube explanations, the perfect one, because it makes all those combinations to the point that you cannot r- read tendencies. You can't yeah, sit exactly. there and look at those <laughs> things and everything. Your keys that you start with on defense, you're playing at such a disadvantage, and that's why, like when we saw because the, there was like one percent of snaps that you would see. Sanders in the backfield, and we thought that would maybe be grown on this season, and it was never something you saw. We never saw Whittington in the backfield, but you used them the way fullbacks were sort of used, blocking downfield in routes, but it actually takes away the amount of possibilities when you know that these guys are going to be blocking and not running true routes, but considered out in the passing formation. So if you can get them into the position, and last year when you had Roshan and had Bijan, those two sort of didn't allow you to run as many of them in the backfield next year, you're going to maybe need to find holes and snaps. So those guys and their ability to block, they, that should be something that they should definitely be working on all offseason. Yeah. Jay, which one of your best blockers? So it's yeah. A.T. Sanders. Yep, you can sure. use those guys in the running game to block. And then when that starts becoming effective, you can use the play-action pass and use those guys yep. in the play-action pass. Well, and it'll game. just make you less predictable yeah. all by exactly. the defense. Exactly. You are, that's Basically, the point. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a good place to stop. We will uh, we'll pick it up next week. Uh, plenty of conversation between now and the start of spring ball, and then after spring ball until we do this whole thing again with the twenty twenty three season. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. Be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody, the Austin Radio Network and the Horn one zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. 
where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.